five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this Monday morning following Alabama scrimmage on Friday afternoon because they all went home for Easter, or at least a lot of the, any of the players that wanted to were able to. We got a lot of interesting information from Friday scrimmage. First of all, how are you doing? How was your Easter? And then also, what did you think about uh, some of the news we got out of the scrimmage? Uh, Easter was great. Thanks for uh, thanks for asking. Good holiday. Real pretty uh, weather day up here in Tuscaloosa after some uh, some pretty rough ones uh, for for two or three days. But I, I, the scrimmage excited me. I, I thought most of the news, if not almost all of the news, was good. Uh, I think the story of the scrimmage was the offense uh, and, and the fact that Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson both had good days. Uh, I think that's the story uh, to me. But let's also remember this. Uh, it was it was the day for the offense to do well when there are five starters and not just five starters, five of the best players on defense. Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, Kool-Aid, Deontay Lawson, you know, five guys out. That means that there's five second team guys that are now first team. And now there's five third team guys that are now second team. It, it, it's set up for the offense to do well. But the good news is they did. They did. that. They did what you'd expect. On the one hand, you can discount it and say, well, you know, look who they were playing against. I don't look at it that way at all. I look at it like, for instance, they were playing the Middle Tennessee. And what did they do? They went out and won uh, 52 to 7. It, you know, it, it, was, it was exactly what you expected, but that's a good thing. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I don't think that we should be concerned about the defensive performance because first of all you know you lose byron young you lose dj dell you got justin the boy b who's another guy who missed a lot of last year but he's expecting you know very experienced player expected to be a starter he apparently was only playing on third downs you have uh will anderson who's now gone you got dallas turner and chris braswell sit out of the scrimmage you got henry toe toe and jalen moody gun you got deontay lawson missing the spring you got eli ricks and kool-aid mckinstry and Kyrie jackson and brian branch and jordan battle and demarco hellums the list just goes on and on when you talk about last year you're already having to replace a ton of your starters but the guys who are coming back who are supposed to be the headliners of your defensive side of the football pretty much all of them are out too so you've got just a ton of young guys talented guys but they're all getting more opportunities because of injuries and departures from last year and so I think that right now that's a good thing you know last year it felt like Alabama was able to build up quite a bit of depth on this offensive line now was the offensive line perfect no but a lot of guys missed you know the spring or, or a couple of starters missed during the spring it gave other guys opportunities Tyler Booker was able to get a lot of run granted it was at right tackle he ended up being in the guard rotation but I think it was able to you know give him some opportunities to prove you know, that he is ready to contribute in some sort of way, and that has set him up extremely well for the fall. Uh, we had heard coming pretty much out of spring that he was viewed as the Sticks offensive lineman and that the coaching staff was high on him and everything else. And so this this will give some of these young guys on the defensive side of the football some opportunities. And we'll start off with the defensive side, and, and we'll kind of carry our way over to the offense. But, you know, we did get news that Malachi Moore was playing quite a bit of safety. They're also playing him at star, Tyrion Arnold playing a lot of perimeter cornerback, which is where he played last year. With Kool-Aid McKinstry out, that makes sense. But 
The other perimeter corner apparently wasn't Earl Little Jr. He's playing star, which is something that we both, I think, have agreed on. That's his most ideal position. We feel like he's the best suited player on the roster as far as playing that star position. Caleb Downs is getting a ton of run with the first-team defense uh, and making some pretty big plays there at safety. So the secondary, despite the fact that you're losing so many different guys, right now you've got, you know, what, five members of your secondary who have moved on, plus you didn't have Kool-Aid on Friday. You know, I think this has given some guys some opportunities, and the young guys are certainly taking advantage. Yeah, I think Kool-Aid not being there is certainly interesting in terms of you wonder if that led to some shuffling that they otherwise wouldn't have done. We won't know that until Kool-Aid is back for uh, for the next scrimmage and for A-Day. Uh, you know, we'll get a better idea. Coach Saban seemed to indicate they move people around a lot. But to me, the encouraging thing, uh, Clinton, and we probably don't talk about this enough, I guess it's because – You know, the way I look at it, there's so much to talk about. You can't even get to it all. Uh, But Earl Little, who did not play last year, mostly due to injury, and then by the time he was healthy, it was very late in the year, uh, he didn't play at all, and now he's with the first team. I mean, think about that. He's with the first team. He he started with the Elijah Pritchett of defense. (laughs) That's totally correct. Earl Little started. Um, Obviously, uh, there was another corner. I'm going to guess Antonio Kite. Uh, I don't know that, but I'm going to guess it was probably Kite at corner with uh, with Arnold. He would be basically the oldest kid, uh, and they're high on him. I know they like Antonio Kite. Uh, if it's not Kite, then it was Fagans. Uh, if it wasn't Fagans, it was one of the true freshmen like Des Ricks. Uh, that, that's kind of hard to believe. So I'm going to say it was Kite, but the, the point is but he was there due to injury. He was there due to injury. I mean, not injury because Kool-Aid was actually home on a family matter, but the point is – Earl Little was just with the ones, and I think that's incredible. And even if Earl Little – this is what it tells me, Clint. Even if Earl Little is not a starter in the fall, they clearly like him a lot. He, he He's part of Alabama's plans. Could be short-term, start right now, could be long-term. But Earl Little is clearly part of Alabama's plans if he's playing with the first-team defense this quickly. Uh, so that's good news. Malachi at safety is my personal favorite spot for him. I hope he's at safety. He might be at star. Coach Saban indicated that he plays both. Uh, and, you know, I like his experience there. I like his toughness there. I like him blitzing from that position, doing all the things around the line of scrimmage. I think he's really good at that. Uh, I'll be a little worried just in straight up man coverage with slot receivers who might run vertical routes uh that that'll worry me to some extent but overall here's why i like malachi at safety the most clint it's clear that another newcomer that has earned first team uh reps and play is caleb downs uh and we predicted this and it is happening and it's just incredible and 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 we've said from the start he looks like another minka and, and and it looks like that comp's pretty pretty good the reason I really like Malachi at safety is because Caleb's still going to need some level of help. He, he will need some level of help in terms of what to do. So much of playing DB, Clint, is you make adjustments on the fly. You don't have a coach telling you, okay, it's 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 not all on the whiteboard. It, it's happening live, and you got to adjust. And I think having Malachi next to Caleb Downs as sort of the traffic cop the most experienced Alabama DB being the traffic cop lining up next to one true freshman in, in Caleb Downs 
and perhaps another true freshman on the other side of him uh, in Earl Little. Having Malachi's experience in the middle of that is huge, and it's another reason I'm pretty excited about this DB group. Yeah, and, and I think we can all admit there are some limitations with Malachi Moore. Like, he, he's not the most fluid guy. He's not, you know, his short area quickness can be exploited when you're playing him over a slot receiver. Uh, you know, we talk about, you know, DeMarco Hellams playing over Jalen Hyatt last year, and Malachi himself played you know, some in the, uh, quite a bit in that game. And, and Brian Branch played over the slot a lot as well. Um, and, and really none of them had too much success. I, I think, you know, Malachi's, um, he, he's not as physical coming downhill as a DeMarco Hellams. Uh, I think he does some of the other stuff a little bit better. I think you would probably be a little bit more comfortable with him playing over a Jalen Hyde if you, if you were forced into that situation, but you still wouldn't feel great about it which is why I think you want to limit it as much as possible. And you can protect him a little bit and protect yourself if he's playing safety rather than star. Because star, that's where he's lined up pretty much every snap, most snaps. Um, you know, at safety, it's going to be dependent upon, you know, wide receiver formations, how many they're using, you know, splits. You know, are they going 3-1? Are they going 2-2? Two two, um, and things like that. So, you know, I, I do like his experience factor. I do think it's extremely important when you've, when you've lost all these other guys. Um you know, I also like Christian's story, and, you know, he's going into his fourth season, so he's been around for a while. He hadn't been out on the field a ton, so I think that that gives Malachi Moore quite a bit of, you know, extra, uh, a bigger advantage when it comes to the experience, but at least Christian's story, by this point, he should at least know what the, the defensive scheme is and what his responsibilities are and be comfortable enough to be able to, you know, maybe relay to a guy like Caleb Downs if he was asked to. If I'd guess, I would probably say that you're looking at Kool-Aid and Tyrion on the outside, Earl Little at star, Caleb Downs. I really think that he's going to end up being a starter. Uh, and then it comes down to, you know, probably, you know, Malachi Moore, probably Christian Story. They're battling it out for that other safety spot. But whichever one doesn't end up being a starter will be that sixth defensive back when they go dime. Um, and that will allow Malachi to maybe roll over onto, you know, play some uh, essentially a star over the other slot if they're going, you know, four wide, you can bring Story in as an extra safety, or maybe Story ends up starting. There, there's still competition that's happening. None of this stuff has been solidified, but we're starting to get an idea of, of where this, uh, you know, secondary is heading. As far as the 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 next level of the defense, Jimmy, what do you think about the linebackers? Because like I said, Toe Toe, he's gone. Jalen Moody, gone. Deontay Lawson, you know, he's dressing out, but he's in a black non-contact jersey, not really doing much. That's providing some opportunities for some of these young guys. And Nick Saban brought up the Georgia transfer, Tresman Marshall, by name. Here's what's interesting to me about Trez. And, and the fact that Saban mentioned his name first, Clint, is huge to me. I mean, Clint, uh, he, he, you know, when asked about the linebacker position, I mean, Trez is the first name out of his mouth. That, that, that's something we're not reading too deeply into. I think, it, I think that's big. But one thing about Trez that's interesting uh, I think you've done this, and, and, and I agree 100%. His story is so much like Jalen Moody's. I mean, his story is a lot like Moody. I mean, in terms of why Alabama wanted Trez Marshall, I think sounds exactly like one year ago why they wanted Jalen Moody back. And I, I love that, that comp. But here's where the comp is different, and this is what everybody has to understand. Moody – at his best, is an inside thumper. He's an old-school middle linebacker, an old-school take-on-the-fullback type of linebacker. But there are no fullbacks anymore. 
And that position is sort of being dinosaured out. Trez is a space player. I mean, he's more athletic than Jalen. He he is a space player first and foremost. So even though their stories are similar, even though Alabama wanting them at inside linebacker uh, as a as a senior uh, is so similar, I don't think they're similar players. I, I think Trez is more comfortable playing in space than Moody was. And, and I think Trez is going to actually be a more impactful, better player for that reason. But we won't get a true look at, at linebacker, at off-ball linebacker, uh, in terms of what Alabama will look like this fall until Lawson is back. I think we all agree that a Lawson might be out and these other guys are impressive, but once 32 is healthy, I mean, that's going to be his spot. I think it'll be lined up next to Trez. But Alabama's so deep there with quality candidates that uh, that could prove that could prove wrong. It could end up being other guys. And that's what I'm having such a hard time with. And Deontay Lawson being out is is making everything more difficult from an evaluation standpoint. First of all, you're not really seeing how guys are lined up. We're getting limited practice clips. We're getting limited photos. There's only so much that you can take from that stuff. It could have been one specific rep, not a big deal. And then you end up reading too much into it. But just when when the guy's out, you're not going to see him out there. So are they playing? Deontay Lawson more in the mic role or is he playing more at the 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 will and they're kind of liking how things are you know how Tresman Marshall is able to take over more of a mic role and how he's the communicator and the field general on defense that's something that we certainly would have gotten a lot better of a, a an idea of or more clarity on come the a-day game and because Deontay Lawson's going to be out it's it's probably going to be Tresman Marshall but that doesn't mean that that's going to be his role come the fall so that's unfortunate um I would love to kind of get an idea of where that position's head, heading and where they what they think about Deontay Lawson, but that's just part of it. Um, you know, that they do have a lot of young, talented players at that position, like you mentioned. I, the more I watched and the more I thought about Justin Jefferson, the more excited I've gotten. Um, haven't heard much about him in fall camp, though. You know, you've seen some photos, and, and it looks like he's gotten some opportunities with the ones based off of some of those photos. Uh, but we've also seen, you know, Sean Murphy in there, Jihad Campbell, Tresman Marshall, Ian Jackson. Looked like he was getting some reps really early of those first couple of uh, uh, practices with the ones. I don't know if that's continued or not, but they're just if there's a position that hadn't really been there hadn't been any clarity on. And that's for both sides of the football. Uh, I would probably say uh, quarterback on offense. You know, both guys are playing well. and We'll get to that in a minute, but just very limited as far as who's kind of taking hold of the position battle or, or if, is anybody ahead. Um, but with the linebackers, we haven't really heard anything uh, too much as far as, you know, guys who were stepping up. But the fact that Nick Saban did mention Marshall by name, I do think that's pretty important. Uh, the outside linebackers, you know, the, the big trio that was supposed to be the best trio in, in college football last year. And Will Anderson Jr., Dallas Turner, and Chris Braswell – None of those guys participated in the scrimmage. And then some of the guys up front, uh, you know, Justin Aboybe, he was strictly a third down guy. Thought that was interesting, by the way. Um, I think you take a little bit less of a beating, you know, uh, getting after the quarterback compared to trying to stop the run. That might have had something to do with it, or that they really value Justin Aboybe's third down ability. And that's going to be by far his biggest role on the defense this upcoming season. I, I don't really know which one it is. I guess we'll find out. But what are you, what's your thoughts on the front? I mean, the depth, the depth is what makes us, I think it'd be a special group and special in this, in this way, the depth is unreal. I mean, 
where you have six guys that are returning to the team that have played first team snaps in the past. And most of those guys for multiple seasons, this is a highly experienced group for college football where Tim Smith has been with the ones multiple seasons, a Boyd be with the ones multiple seasons, Jaheim Otis, less experienced, but a returning starter. Latham has played for a couple of seasons. Burroughs has played for a couple of seasons. Uh, Payne, again, his second year, but but he played some with the ones a year ago. So extremely experienced. But what makes it even more exciting, McClendon, is one new name that apparently has caught a lot of attention is James Smith, who, you know, it, it's a tough group for anyone to, to, to break into. Six is enough. You, you could, you know, Freddie Roach and Nick Saban could have gone into next fall with, Hey, we got six guys. That's plenty. Let's put everybody else on ice. You know, and that's not how it works. But the, the point is, you had enough guys. And if someone is breaking into that rotation, that's exciting. That tells me that, that the staff sees some real potential in, in, in this guy. So I think if James Smith can sort of talent his way into the, the first rotation right away, and you're adding him, to what's already an experienced good group. You know, I, I know it's not Q. Pe- people are going to question it unless you have a ready-to-go top 10 pick. And, and no, Alabama doesn't have that, uh, as very, very, very few teams do. Uh, but but what Alabama has, the very next best thing, which is a wave of talented bodies, big bodies. And don't sell the talent level. The talent level is not low. These are mostly NFL players. And guys like Jaheim Otis and James Smith have a chance to be those those first round picks that we're talking about. Well, whether you talk about 20, you know, 14, 2015, 2016, uh, 2017, even uh, maybe not the I would say, yeah, I would probably go all the way up to 2017. 2016 really would be the probably the cutoff point, maybe. Um, but when you when you're talking about kind of that that era, you had the perfect combination of complimentary defensive linemen who were still really good NFL players. You know, you had the, the, the Dalvin Tomlinson's of the world. Uh, you had the Jerron Reeds during that span. You had the, the, the Ashawn Robinson's during at least a portion of that. And, and Ashawn Robinson in college was, was fantastic. Uh, was he like this high upside, like just elite disruptive player? No, but just a very steady, you know what you're going to get. He's going to stop the run. He provides some interior pass rushing ability. And and just having that combination is a lot more rare than you would think. And so he was, I would probably put him on the upper tier, you know, the upper side of that tier. But you, you also had the Deron Paynes of the world. You had the Jonathan Allens, which is really important. And so you had these super impactful, disruptive guys who were also being complimented by very good players. And I think that Alabama has the potential to have that again this year. You know, we, talk, we have talked extensively about Jaheim Otis, and I think he's a future – you know, top 15 pick, top 16 pick, top half of the first round uh, in the NFL. He's that type of talent. And if he continues to get better and he continues to have the mentality that he showed and the dedication to losing the weight and the fact that he was able to work his way onto the field, even though he even admitted himself, he didn't think he was going to play during his freshman season. Like he was fully anticipating what we thought was going to happen, which is what we argued, which is he'll spend his first year strictly focusing on the weight, getting, you know, leaner, getting in better shape, learning the defense, and he'll be ready to rock and roll starting in 2023. Now we're looking at a guy who got was way ahead on the weight loss. He was able to get on the field almost immediately. It was immediately. And not only that, but he made an impact. Was he as consistent as you would like for him to have been? 
know, but he was also a true freshman. He was still figuring some things out. Uh, but I think he has superstar potential. Uh, I think that James Smith, I know he's a true freshman, and you know you don't want to put too much on these guys' plate. But if he can come in and do the things that you know we've heard that he's doing, which is is good things, he can make an impact in this rotation. And he can certainly – I think he has the ability to play inside and out. Like, he can be that Justin Aboigby. More so, I think he's more Byron Young than Justin Aboigby as far as his build is concerned. I think he's a lot more of a disruptor, but I think you could add some pass rush ability whether he's playing inside or out, I think he can stop the run, whether he's playing inside or out. And that kind of gives your defensive line, you know, a lot of uh, versatility. And so having him get into the mix and he's kind of, you want to wait and see how it's going. Uh, You don't want to crown anybody before the pads have come on. The pads have come on and we've heard good things. Uh, I would love to see it myself. I've always trusted my own eyes rather than anybody else's. And until I do that, I'm still going to remain somewhat skeptical, but the the reviews have been very positive. And so I think you've got a guy who can, you, you've got the Jaheim Otis, but I think James Smith, it might not happen this year to the degree that I'm talking about, but I think him and, and Otis together could end up being a very disruptive duo. And then you could maybe have that complimentary, you know, uh, group of guys, you know, playing second fielder to them, but still making a heck of an impact. Yeah, and, and again, the, the depth is, is great. And Boykby is a guy capable of having that Phil Mathis, Christian Barmore senior type season. Uh, I think he was kind of on his way to maybe doing that last year when he got when he got hurt. Tim Smith is an uh, an ideal breakout candidate. It, it shouldn't surprise anybody if Tim Smith has a real big year. Uh, and then then of course you you have the the more couple you know Latham. Who's, who's really a one of, I think, Alabama's better inside pass rushers already. And Burroughs, I would put in that category as well. They're already pretty good in that role, certainly as part-time players. And uh, and then a Damon Payne could, could block. I mean, there's so many guys that we know are good. That it's also very conceivable they could take that next step. Uh, also here, you know, I think Monkel Goodwine, Tim Keenan, guys we never talk about, but these were pretty highly – regarded highly recruited guys and uh with linemen it's a little different than the skill players i think linemen are more likely to be guys that that blossom down the road and then overnight it seems it seems like it's an overnight thing when in fact they've been there for three years and nothing was overnight but it, but we've seen that story time and time again in, in college football clint where you know a lineman uh all of a sudden in year three he is as good as what we thought he'd be uh, as opposed to, I think, skill guys who who tend to show up a little quicker maybe in their careers, uh, and, and there's fewer uh, late-blossom, you know, skill guys. Right, absolutely. And, and from what we've heard, you know, Jameel Burroughs had a good scrimmage. You know, he's been having a good spring. Tim Keenan heard, you know, a couple of good things about him, maybe not as much as Jameel Burroughs, but, you know, the, the depth of this group is very impressive as you continue to to reiterate. And I think that that's really important. And when you talk about the edge guys, you know, other players, younger players are getting more opportunities with, uh, with, with Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell both being out. And I think that that's very positive. I really wish Keon Keeley was already on campus. Uh, Pierre as well. Um, I mean, I would love to have both of them and, and see what both of them could do as early enrollees. But Keeley is the one that I feel like is more ready to be an every down edge. And so, you know, I would love to see what he could be doing with some of these extra opportunities because even though they are still very experienced and they still got a lot of talent in that outside linebacker room, 
you, me, and then pretty much everybody else uh, thinks that Keon Keeley could end up getting involved in that rotation sooner rather than later. So this would be the perfect opportunity for him to be getting a ton of reps uh, because you just don't have the ability be, with Dallas Turner out and Chris Braswell missing the, the the scrimmage for whatever reason. You know, those reps have to go to somebody, and Keeley certainly would have benefited from the added reps. But it, it is what it is. Um, he'll enroll uh, when he enrolls, which is the summer. He'll be available for fall camp, and, and I still think he ends up getting involved at some point. But, yeah, just a very deep, talented group, and I can't wait to see how it grows and who kind of emerges. And I think that Bama fans shouldn't be looking at this in the the sense of it's going to continue to be a, a good, it's a really good, steady defensive line. I think it has the ability to kind of exceed that a little bit, which is the first time you know we've been able to say that in the last couple of years. Uh, let's switch over to the offensive side of the football, and let's talk a little bit about the, you know, the quarterbacks. You know, Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson. I do think it's interesting that they're both being mentioned. Uh, so what are your thoughts, Jimmy? Well, the fact that they're both being mentioned is good. Uh, if, if, I, I think, you know, you're going to need both guys. We needed two guys last year. We need two guys in 2017 who won the national championship. We need two guys in 2018. Uh, Mac Jones uh, had to come in for Tua in 2019. I mean, let's uh, let, let's – not just assume every offseason that we're going to have a perfectly healthy football team every fall. So it's great that both of them are playing well. You're probably going to need both. But the fact that, uh, you know, the offense should have had a good day with so many defenders missing, the fact that they did, the fact that, wow, the offense really should have a big day, and then they did, is good news. It would be a real concern, Clint, if five guys, five starters are missing from the first team defense and then the offense struggles. Now, now we'd be talking about people like me panicking a little bit. But, but that the, they did have a good day. The fact both of them had a good day, and you had to figure it's really a positive for Milrow because when they scrimmage and the quarterbacks aren't really live, Milrow's not really doing what he does best. Uh, yet he still one assumes just from handing the ball off and being running back centric and throwing the football that he was sort of. Uh, uh, as good as Ty, uh, that's good news. So I'm, I'm eager to see him in A-Day. I, I don't think – I've never thought one would win the job this spring. I, I think one of them will win the job, personally, I think shortly before the first game. But I won't be surprised if it bleeds into the games. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I just don't think it really benefits Alabama to name a starter right now. I mean, I could see where, you know, handing all the reps to one guy could be beneficial and, and – Allowing him to go through the offseason as the starter, you know, I do think that that should have benefited Bryce last year compared to, you know, when he was quote unquote competing with Paul Tyson, even though I don't really think that was as much of a competition as some people made it out to be. And I certainly don't think it's the same thing as what we're looking at now with this quarterback room. Uh, but, you know, I've heard good things about Jalen Milrow and just his ability to kind of, whether it be pre and post snap. I think that his recognition skills and just what the defense was not only giving him, but then what it gave him once the ball was snapped, I think just the processing was a little bit uh, slow. And I think that he kind of felt a little bit overwhelmed at times against Texas A&M. I did see at least a couple of times where he purely made guesses. I mean, he was just, uh, there's nothing that the defense gave him where he should have made the decision that he made. From what I've heard, which is limited. Uh, there's not a ton coming out of fall camp, or uh, spring practice, by the way. So if you're expecting a lot of inside nuggets and stuff, I mean, I got you know a couple of things, where, but it's, it's just it's not the information that a lot of fans want. They want more in-depth stuff, and that's just not happening. But I have heard that, that Jalen Milrow 
is doing some good things from within the pocket, outside the pocket. He his processing is better. He's understanding, you know, not only he's understanding more of the why behind what Alabama is doing offensively. And I think that that's important. When you just are doing what you're told and you don't understand why it needs to be done that way, you have a hard time on the fly making adjustments when you need to. And so I think that his ability to understand what is being asked and why it's being asked of him, that's making him a much better quarterback. And I think it's making him a more confident quarterback. Like, you know, against A&M, he would either guess in some cases or he would be reluctant. You know, there was things that were open that he wasn't seeing or maybe he wasn't confident in his ability to get the job done and executed, especially throwing outside the numbers. He wanted to protect the football. In the first half, he had three turnovers. Second half, he got a lot more timid. Um, and I think that he's playing with a lot more confidence and command of the offense. And that's certainly helping him. Uh, but I've also heard that Ty Simpson has had some incredible throws. And I'm excited to see him in, in the A-Day game as well. You know, we saw some stuff, you know, a couple of good things uh, last year. But this year, I think just seeing all the added reps that he's going to get, now that he's more comfortable, it's not his first spring. He hadn't been on campus for a month. How much has he grown? I can't wait to see, you know, both of these quarterbacks. That's right. In A-Day, uh, everybody's going to get the chance. I was impressed with Ty Simpson last A-Day. I remember saying on uh, on the show and on the uh, Talk of Champions, I-, I felt Ty was the best early entry quarterback I'd seen in A-Day a year ago. I mean, in terms of the comfort level he had, uh, and, and now he's going to be even more comfortable. I'm kind of expecting, Clint, both kids to have a big day. What I'm eager to see is, are they going to – is one guy going to quarterback the first team? And, and, you know, the, the first team offense is white. Is is one guy going to quarterback white and the other guy quarterback crimson, which is the second team? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think it's a fair look at both. I, I think to get a fair look at both, they're going to have to split reps on the white offense. And then the freshman, uh, Dylan Lonergan and, and Eli Holstein, can quarterback the crimson offense. Uh, that if you, if you want to look at them both in the same situation, that's what you have to do. Uh, but it, it, it's all learning. No one's going to win the job on a day. I don't believe that. But I do think, Clint, one could take a lead. One could take a lead. Maybe Nick Saban won't admit that. Maybe that's nothing that he's going to say out loud to the public. But we're all going to watch just like Coach Saban's going to watch. And uh, I think we might know. I think we might know after a day who has an unspoken lead, uh, but it would just be that, a lead, because let's say Ty has a really big day and and and, and Jalen doesn't, and we spend all summer going, oh, it's going to be Ty, do you see what happened A-Day? And then fall camp rolls around, and Ty's a couple of bad days, and Milrow has a scrimmage where he's 18 to 21 and runs for two other touchdowns. Well, well, now, now Milrow's going to be the quarterback. So in other words, even having a lead, on a day won't mean everything, but uh, but it would be important. Hey, uh, think back to that 2016 quarterback battle, you know, with Cooper Bateman, David Cornwell, Blake Barnett, uh, Jalen Hurts, who ended up technically winning the job, even though he wasn't the starter for the first game of the season. But it, it felt like there were so many different waves of, hey, this guy's doing really well right now. He's the the leader of the pack, and then all of a sudden it becomes this other guy, and then all of a sudden it beca- I think it at different points in that off season. We thought all three quarterbacks not named Jalen Hurts were the favorites and were probably going to win the starting job. 
Um, and then it ends up being none of those guys. It ends up being Jalen, who we had heard good things about. And and even in the spring, we had heard, hey, keep an eye on this guy. You know, he's very much in this competition. Uh, but it's just, you know, all the articles that were being written, it was, you know, he's doing well, he's taking hold. And it's just, you know, you might see the same. And, and the A Day is just one singular scrimmage performance in front of a crowd. It's a little bit different. It's public. Uh, but people's got to understand Nick Saban's not going off of just a day, the A-Day game. He's had an entire 14 practices, including a couple of more scrimmages to evaluate these guys, as well as, you know, Tommy Reese and, and the other guys on the offensive staff, you know, and, and all of those pieces of information are, are important. Uh, we've seen some guys, I mean, I think Blake Bortles probably would have been a hall of fame quarterback based off of those preseason games, um, his rookie season. And, we all know how that turned out. So let's not get too carried away with, you know, uh, a, it's a scrimmage. I mean, it's that, that's what it is. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the running backs before we hop out of here. Uh, we've talked a lot about the offensive line. I would like to talk a little bit more about the receivers and the tight ends, uh, but we'll probably do that tomorrow. We're going to have another practice today, or, or Alabama's going to have another practice, and we're going to get to kind of recap that, look at some photos, look at some practice videos, see what ends up coming of it. But, you know, before we hop out of here, I would like to touch a little bit on the running backs because I've heard really good things about Roydell Williams. And I want to fully admit he was the guy that I thought could fall out of, con you know, the the rotation as far as the, you know, if there was going to be a player that dropped on the depth chart rather than climb, I thought Roydell was the most likely. I thought Jace was going to be the starter. Roydell, you know, was going to was going to start off as the number two and, and then kind of, you know, wouldn't be shocked if Jam Miller or Justice Haynes kind of leapfrogged him or maybe both. I have continued to reiterate that I think it's at least going to be three or four running backs. But, uh, you know, from what I've heard, Roy Dell's done well, and Justice Haynes has looked incredible uh, from everything that I've heard as well, running with a ton of power, running with confidence. So, Jimmy, kind of what are your thoughts on the running back group? Yeah, I think Haynes is a big story. I mean, in terms of he's the new guy, the brand-new guy. Miller's going to be new to the first team. I think we all agree Jam Miller is going to play reps with the first team this fall and how many snaps he gets or how many carries he gets. We don't know, but I think we all agree, you know, Jace will be first team. Uh, uh, Jam will be first team. Riddell's always been first team or at least last two, two years plus. And now Justice Haynes might be one of these kids too good to keep off the field. I, I think running back is just this simple. When asked about the position, Nick Saban basically scoffed. He, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm I'm putting words in his mouth, but it's like, that's the last thing I worry about. I, I don't even worry about that position. We got multiple good players there. I don't worry about that spot. He, I, that was more or less his answer uh, when asked about the running back. So I think that's how we should all look at it. And we might all have our favorite. We might all think, well, I think it's going to be jam or I think justice is going to end up being a true freshman sensation or, hey, the veterans are, have already shown they're good enough. Jason Roydell are good enough. Uh I think it'll be a combination of all four, but uh, Nick Saban's not worried about it, so I don't think the rest of us should. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. And I've kind of compared it as far as the usage is concerned, just the way the offense will operate. Not saying it's the same kind of play calling, not saying it's the same, you know, the exact same personnel. I'm saying just as far as what you're looking at, I think if uh, if Simpson ends up winning the job, you're looking at more at a 2018 style of offense where. You know, he's going to be have a lot of pass attempts, definitely going to finish in the top 25. You're going to see the passing attack be very important, but it's going to be, you know, throwing the football, running a little bit like we saw with Tua Tungavaloa in 2018, but it's not like it was a, a Jalen Hurts or a Jalen Milrow style of run. It's, you know, 
50, 60 carries, finished fourth or fifth on the team in carries. Uh, and then at running back, you're looking more of a committee. Back then, you were seeing Najee Harris and Damian Harris and uh, Josh Jacobs. And, and just it was, a, it was a, a committee approach with three or four different guys. And then at receiver, all kinds of different players. Now, granted, I don't think this receiving group is going to be as dynamic as that one was, even though I think they got a couple of players who can be that good. Are they going to have four? Probably not. But I do think that they are. it's going to be an offense that's run through several receivers, but you're also still going to be able to create room for the tight end to operate and have some success in the passing game as well, which you saw with Irv Smith Jr. as well. If uh, Jalen Miro ends up being the quarterback, you have to take his legs into account. That's going to affect the running back carry distribution. It's going to affect the number of pass attempts. So, you know, you can't spread the ball out necessarily as much to all these different guys. So then it becomes more of a, you know, 2017 style of Alabama offense, which is, is not going to be a great picture for Alabama fans. But I think that Jalen Hurts was just very timid. He was so scared of losing the job to a Tonga Valoa. It was limited turnovers, but I've often said since that season, limited turnovers can sometimes equal limited offense because you're too timid. Uh, to execute the offense in the way that you need to. And I thought that Tua Tungvaloa did a good job of every time he was stepping on the football field, he was focused on what he can do and what he was capable of doing. And Jalen Hurts, just for that year, because he had so much pressure behind him with with Tua, I think he, when he was on the field, he was more so worried about what he can't do. Like, I can't turn the football over here. I can't fumble. I can't, you know, and it, it was just such a focus that he forgot to play and just let his instincts take over. And I think that we saw all, a regression from his first year but then we saw a lot of improvement moving forward, and we've continued to see it since uh, you know getting to the Super Bowl this past year. That's going to do it for today's episode. I've kind of ran over. We got less than a minute, but Jimmy, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. We'll be back either you know I'm thinking tomorrow, but it could be Wednesday. So either one of those two days, we're going to try to get in a couple episodes. So Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you, buddy. All right, this is the Bam on Three Show. I'm your host, Clint Lamb.